everyone. This is Tiffany Pan. Welcome to Compass Teachers Show. My job is to interview teachers around the world and test out their teaching tactics, education research, or tools they use. Hopefully, this show can offer some ideas for you to experiment in your classroom. <coughs> Today, my guest is Nicole Plant. Nicole has been a middle school teacher for almost eight years. So now she pivoted her career as an amazing designer. Her first stop as a teacher is in New York City Department of Education. She instructed suspending students or at-risk youth from diverse schools and socioeconomic backgrounds. The unique experience laid out the foundation for building humanity and resilience in her teachings. After NYC, Nicole moved to Bay Area and taught in Corpus Christi School. Which is hugely different from her previous one. It's a Catholic school that nurtures students not only academic but also spiritual growth. Now let's learn from Nicole's experience in Corpus Christi as a homeroom teacher. <coughs> Nicole, you were an eighth grade homeroom teacher in Corpus Christi Elementary and Middle School. Can you tell us what the responsibility is as a homeroom teacher? Yeah,、um, girl, it's even different for being an eighth grade homeroom teacher because being the eighth grade homeroom teacher for、um, a Catholic school has even more added responsibilities. I don't think I was paid more. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty sure I was not paid more for this. But、um, like eighth grade,、uh, you have graduation, so. That's huge.、Um, as a homeroom teacher, where you're coordinating and practicing, gathering,、um, like you know, either baby pictures or、um, doing their their portraits. There's a lot of interruptions to the school day、um, because of things like that.、Um, in the so I'm I'm beginning at the end. But like what what we would let me kind of go a little bit more、um, chronologically.、Um, in the beginning of the year, they do.、Um, A youth day、uh, at the Catholic Cathedral in Oakland,、uh, because they're part of the Oakland Diocese, and then we would do high school visits for for Catholic high schools in、um, our kind of in kind of in our area,、uh, and so again, a lot of these are interrupting the the school week, the school day.、Um, we would also do. Um, some fun things like, you know, field trips,、uh, but also they did this、um, thing with parents where it's almost like going to the parents' jobs in a way in order for them to appreciate and understand、um, different industries and professions. And so that would happen kind of late in the year, especially when you know they're becoming a little, you know, angsty and wanting to graduate already and things like that. Um, we would,、um, as a homeroom, you know, we would、uh, coordinate with other grades in order to cross、um, planning for, like, for Christmas, for Christmas programs, for gingerbread house making things with first grade.、Um, there,、uh, they were also mostly on student council. Then we would have our own class council, <laughs> which would coordinate our eighth grade dances. Which we would have about we were trying to do eight or、uh, sorry, not eight,、uh, three a year, but usually it was like two if we could, but or maybe three because、um, as an eighth grade homeroom teacher, I would help 
coordinate that and I would have to chaperone that too. So not only am I doing, you know, the usual, um, <laughs> let me just say, so my day, Tifan, mm-hmm. um, would begin, I would get to school at 7 a.m. I would not leave until 6 p.m. Um, and some days when we had programs or a school dance, I would just stay there and then I wouldn't go home until 9.30 p.m. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very intense. And um, it is very rewarding, definitely. Um, but I do think I hit burnout because of that a lot mm-hmm. sooner than <laughs> if it didn't yeah. have um, all the extra responsibilities. We know that your expertise is in English literature. How did you prepare for the subjects that you are not familiar with? That's a great question. Uh, so for me, why I really like, and you might have heard of this too, Tifan, but why I like standards, why I like um, learning objectives, why I like these uh, benchmarks that usually are um, either part of curriculum planning or tied to performance indicators for grades, things like that. It's because it gives a framework for especially new teachers when they don't know what they're supposed to teach. Well, these are the the benchmarks. These are the things that the students need to learn by the end of the year. So, um, you know, you might have heard of the term backwards planning. That's part of backwards planning is Um, picking out these learning objectives or standards, um, competencies, and figuring out how am I going to address those things. So that's why, like, and some people, like, are all about, you know, the standards or they are for or against Common Core for many other reasons. But to have none, it's very disorienting for a new teacher. Um, for in, for me as being a new teacher, I relied on the Common Core in order to tell me this is what you're supposed to be teaching so that you make sure that the students are where they need to be. How did you usually structure your course throughout a semester? I did backwards design um, with um, an overarching theme. Um, so it might have been something like, you know, Uh, resilience or um, humanity Um, and then you would have this essential you would have essential questions about that in order to draw out discussion and bigger understanding and so what that would do is it would widen the the connections so you may have uh, several texts that you um, choose in order to address that theme and then to bring greater connections, it can connect to that theme, and then it can give you a different perspective on it, or it can give you something that reverberates it, you know, makes it stronger. Um, But what I also loved about doing it thematic style was um, the great opportunity in literature is to really get to those big questions about what it is to be human. How do we treat people? Like, I think that it's very important, especially with, you know, young people, in order to get them thinking of these philosophical kind of questions, because not only is it going to be forming who they are, their, you know, their personality, but how they treat other people. And I think that even though we put a lot of emphasis 
on, uh, you know, academic um, skills or knowledge, uh, that's another part of learning is how to be a good person, um, how to be responsible to the earth, uh, things like that, right? And for them to really grapple with it before they're turned out to be, you know, an adult and a voting adult, right? To be a citizen. So I really loved um, things like that because especially in my subject matter and also teaching social studies for, for um, eighth grade, we could draw connections. And, and I think that that's what really helps retain information is you can, you know, make those links and thematic connections. Can you give us an example of how you use thematic style in your class? I taught Night by Eli Weisel. Weisel. I, I never know how to pronounce his last name. Um, but it's about the Holocaust, his Holocaust experience, right? And that was part of the theme of humanity. You know, uh, it's a huge kind of topic, but it's yeah. also very appropriate to like, you know, like kind of how do we treat people? What's our responsibility? Um, and I think it was that theme, but it could have also been something else. I, I, I always change things up a little bit every year, which is good and bad because like, you know, it doesn't give me the feedback in order to, to really hone in on something, um, you know, and make it amazing quickly because I have to wait until the next year in order to try it out again. <laughs> mm. um, because I didn't, you know, I only had one class that I was teaching uh, rather than like a lot of English uh, or literature teachers would teach the same lesson four times a day, but to different, you know, classes of students. So um, now I had the same one. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, only new by a different year. So anyway, for, um, for something like that, I, then it would, I would choose like um, a piece of poetry too that um, would speak to, to this view of humanity as well. Um, a, a nonfiction piece. So um, a current event article of like, let's look at uh, humanity today. Um, and this could also tie in with something social justice for religion. Um, so like how, you know, what's our, what's our duty to other people, especially in other countries or something like that too. Um, and so even within that theme, I could cover, you know, the historical um, significance and events of the Holocaust, which is social studies, which is history, um, the narrative style and devices uh, you know, even using metaphor and symbolism in a nonfiction book by um, Eli, Eli Wiesel. And there was also poetry to it. There's songs I played. So, you know, even touching into music, um, I would show um, an interview um, with Holocaust survivors. Um, so what I'm kind of getting into also was when you're doing this um, planning, you're also differentiating, you're finding different media in order to teach the same thing in a different way, perhaps. I mean, differentiation is in, in a lot of different, <laughs> just like in, mm -hmm. in that, it's a lot of different things for what you're doing. Um, so when I would plan, I would also plan media rich, um, media rich things to, to kind of like, 
um, open it up, especially if um, the students, you know, learn in a better way with videos than they do with lecture versus like, you know, books, right? All these different, different things in order for them to grapple with the theme. So far, I heard using media reach and thematic styles in your course. Is there any other teaching methods that you used before that you found really useful in your class, like game-based learning, board games? One of my favorite things, and I hope it was also a favorite thing of the, the students, we would do different kind of book reports. It wasn't a written report. It was a project report. And I gave them a matrix, so like a grid of all these different types of hands-on projects that they could do in order to do their book report. Really, like in, a, and I, I can't remember what I called it. I think it was independent reading. Yeah, that's what I called it, independent reading project. And they had to do multiple things for it. And we did it every, well, it was going to be every quarter, but we ended up just doing it for the first three quarters because by the end of the year, um, I was overwhelmed and they were overwhelmed. <laughs> so it was good enough to do it for three, three out of the four. Um, but yeah, they would have to present their book um, to, to the students. So they would have to do a presentation. And, you know, that's engaging also in them being able to summarize, you know, in a succinct way, work on their soft skills for presentation, right? Things like that. But then also the fun thing of that, and I hope again, it was fun for them. One of them could be where they could um, create a board game based off of their, um, their book. And um, other things like, oh, my God, there was a photo essay one where one of my students did it with her Barbies, which was <laughs> hilarious, but like amazing. And um, there was another and they could always get me to approve. Like if they had an idea that wasn't listed there, they could just present it to me like saying, hey, Miss Plant, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And I can approve it. And most likely I would approve it. Because really the end of it was to get them excited about reading, to get them excited about being creative and to um, to do something a little bit fun at school rather than just like essays and, you know, reports and I don't know, like tests and things like that. So, um, yeah, like there was one kid who read a book on Minecraft and then he wanted to create um, his own world in Minecraft and he wow. was totally into Minecraft. Right. And, and there's I, a book about Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, and, 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 you know, some parents, I don't know, they were like, Oh, Miss Plant, that's, you know, I'm worried that this book's not rigorous enough for, for my, my child. And, um, and, and all I like, I, pretty much my response to them usually was, I'm just trying to get them excited about reading. Like this is independent. This is them doing it on their own time. Therefore it needs to be their choice. And yeah, there are times when we need to challenge them. That's a lot of the books and the literature we do in class. Like I'm forcing them to read, you know, this book about the Holocaust. They might as well lighten it up with some Minecraft, right? Um, but what I really did love, especially from from that um, that kid and and his parent, uh, his his mom came to me and she said. Miss Plant, he loves you because you let him read a book on Minecraft. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? That's fantastic. Like, I know he'll not like me another year, I'm sure. But like, at least we have a good relationship right now. Um, but yeah, there were a, a lot of different projects. They could do their own like um, alternative ending to the book. 
Um, they could create a children's story based off of it. So it's just kind of like getting it to the essential details. They could do um, like a diorama thing, right? Um, I, I changed it up a lot. Like they couldn't do the same um, method, like the same project. Um, because like, you know, they, they, if they're really talented on one thing, they might just just do that and they're not challenging themselves in a different media. Um, I can't remember though, there are so many. And it, quite honestly, I got the idea um, from some teacher resources that I found online and I just added on to it. So that's another thing for resources out there. Like, you know, teachers who pay teachers, I know that that's like big and popular there. There's like the most giving and open community are our teachers. They want to help other teachers, um, right. especially if it's going to be helping students uh, love school or love learning rather, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Right, right. All right. The last question I want to ask is, Nicole, what advice you would give to a person who wants to be a teacher in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, depending on your situation, it may be hard to get into teaching because um, there are actually a lot of tests and certifications um, and the masters and things like that that require uh, money in order to become a teacher with not necessarily much payoff or, you know, I would say look into if there are some fellowships, if there are uh, some funding things to make that happen for yourself. If, if financially it's 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 difficult because um, I think that there are a lot of resources out there to help people who want to do something that's in service. Um, and I think that what's really important, I think a lot of people go into teaching thinking kind of like what I did. Well, might as well be a teacher. A lot of people like, you know, like and that's their co concept. Right. And so I think it's really important in order to do some like student teaching in order to um, really understand what is the day to day. Is it for you? I think it's very important in order to um, like apprentice, like figure it out before you go through the whole program and decide that it's not for you. So that's my big advice is to see if you can volunteer, do student teaching, um, work underneath another teacher before you even go through all of it so that you can understand, yes, this is for me or no, it's not for me. Sweet. That's a really great and practical advice Thank you, Nicole. Oh, thank you so much, Tifa, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for listening. We will put the things mentioned in the interview to the show notes. If you enjoy our show, welcome to share and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.